Ohado, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Spanish for an angry red bull. Oh, okay. Uh, which refers to something we'll get to later in the show. I wonder uh, what. <laughs> I'm Drew Scanlon. <laughs> Joining me from the smoky hellscape that is the San Francisco Bay oh Area. Oh, my God, yeah. Danny O'Dwyer, how are you, Danny? I'm doing well. I got my gas mask on. The house is, uh, <laughs> thankfully, not anywhere near any actual fires. So, uh, yeah. yeah, just enjoying the the smoky breeze as it as it comes through. Uh, if you are new to this smoky, sultry podcast, welcome. <laughs> If you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and uh, gives the lowdown on how the sport works and uh, who everybody is. This year's primer is episode 59. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that's the number you'll be looking for. Um, I, I had someone in real life tell me that uh, they just started, they like just found the podcast and they thanked us for mentioning the primer. Oh, really? Yeah. So people still... Still fine in it. And also, Excellent. like, personally, as someone who likes podcasts, like, jumping into a podcast and feeling lost is a really kind of bad feeling. And so yeah. I want to make sure that doesn't happen to people. Yeah, I can, especially in this, like, such a... There's, like, a language associated with F1. I mean, we oh, do yeah. it in every... Like, and it, it's everything from, like, the technical stuff down to just, like like racers names. They're just so... Like, what other sport has this, like, menagerie of international, like superheroes like they've all yeah. just got the weirdest so it's like yeah I, I totally feel like if if there are some sports where you need an intro and this is for sure one of them yeah and because we can kind of confine all that exploratory explanatory stuff in one episode we don't need right. to do so much of it every episode but yeah um uh this show is also supported entirely by our audience on patreon.com slash shift f1 uh where every month we release uh, at least one bonus podcast and bonus video exclusively for our patrons uh, covering racing documentaries, films, video games, uh, primers for the racing series, and a whole lot of other weird stuff. So if you want to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, uh, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, Danny, you posted <laughs> you posted that. <laughs> very you confusing. I, I watched a little bit of it, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. It felt like a throwback to the old days of recording videos where like you just, you hoped it all worked. Uh, I got it working and recorded it and it was a lot of fun and then realized... Uh, after the fact that the ebay version of the game i'd bought that whoever had sold it to me put the wrong game in um but it was also like very close to the game that i was supposed to be playing so mm-hmm. uh, it was a fun roller coaster ride uh and it was fun to play it was fun to get into the playstation 2 era of f1 games uh yeah so we got a bunch more of those now hooked up here so Sweet. Gonna sit around in that sort of era for a little while. Yeah, shout out to everyone who's uh, been supporting us on Patreon. We're 718 patrons we have now. Oh I know my if God. we I know we kept like reaching like different targets. We had like a what was the bonus video? We we did the rich energy, we did a taste test, taste test. of all yep. the rich energy drinks. Uh, which and was, Ricardo's uh uh French beer. We did. We shipped beer from the south of France. Uh-huh. So if you become a patron <laughs> Maybe illegally? yeah i do we get into that in the thing i'm not sure we'll they, what we didn't break any laws no laws no. might have been broken but not by us but not the law of deliciousness uh or ricardo uh no no daniel's scot-free but yeah if you become a patron not to turn this into a big upsell but if you become a patron just so you know fyi you also get access to all the backlog of stuff so including that video including all the old f1 game video ones and including all of our our uh our our bonus videos which tend to be quite evergreen you know they're they're like about movies kind of the, or yeah our objective with that yeah as opposed to this which is 
the least evergreen podcast in the world, maybe. Could you imagine going back and just, ah, I want to listen to, you know. People do that. Really? People like, say they go back and listen to our old shows. Man, Japan 2016, let's go. I mean, Formula One is something people get really nostalgic about. Let's be That's real. true. Maybe uh, in 20 today, years. <laughs> we're still doing this. <laughs> today, uh, we will be discussing two races, the one that just happened and the upcoming one. So, busy show today. Rob, by the way, speaking of playing games, uh, Rob is uh, very busy in his day job. <laughs> uh playing uh i don't know if i can say what he's playing i but think he's playing, he can say it he's playing death stranding uh yeah i think he is he is stuck in the same quandary i am which is that the review embargo is up this friday but to post a review you need to have finished this game mm-hmm. and maybe it's a long game i don't know but it looks <laughs> like there's a lot of journalists who are really knuckling down um so uh yeah i'm in a similar spot i w- was doing it before and will be doing it after this recording oh man yeah uh all right well let's uh let's <laughs> trek across north america yeah that works to mexico city <laughs> uh where in practice stroll crashed and in, in practice one albon crashed in practice two uh but the real fireworks came in qualifying three yeah oh my um, so all right there's kind of two, as we kind of know from watching this, there's kind of two phases to each qualifying session. There's like, you do your first run, you come in, make some changes, then you go out and do your second run. On the first run, Verstappen did a uh, a 114.910, uh, which got him pole position provisionally uh, on his first run. And then on everyone's second run, um, on track, it's... Uh, Albon, Leclerc, Botas, Hamilton, Vettel, Verstappen. So that's kind of the the order that they're going to come across the line. Yeah. Um, Leclerc can't improve on second place. So Verstappen's still got pole position there. And then Botas is coming on his final run. At the final turn, he crashes into the wall. Yeah. Interesting one. Like a little bit of understeer maybe, but he kind of just rubbed the wall with his rear left and... That forced, you know, because there's a right-hander, kind of forced his front yeah, of the car into the wall. Yeah, it's a curved wall, so he kind of he hits it and then kind of slides along it, uh, kind of like a like a pinball. Yeah, totally um, down a rail. He, yeah, he impacts the barrier that's there, but he impacts it from the side. Yeah, like it was. It felt like a nasty shunt because it really it wasn't the front of the car where it could collect more of the energy. It was kind of like the. The, the front left kind of got eaten up. Um, and he sounded like he was breathing heavily on radio when they talked to him. That he was fine, but like, yeah, I think yeah. it knocked the wind out of him. Because he was going really fast. The wall, hitting the wall didn't take any of the, didn't take much of the speed out, shall we say. It was when, it, once he hit the barrier, once he hit the, whatever that was, the arm core, whatever it is, the mm-hmm. the, the padding, um, I think he decelerated quite quickly there. So yeah, rough one. Yeah, so a... A single yellow flag comes out, and the drivers behind him, Hamilton, Vettel, and Verstappen, um, then come through. And when there are yellows, you have to slow down. That is the rule. Hmm. So, and we only really learn all any of this after the fact, but um, Hamilton is right behind Botas. He is not shown the yellow because the marshal is still, like, reaching for it hmm. uh, when Hamilton passes. So Hamilton doesn't slow down, but does not earn a penalty. Uh, Vettel does slow down. Verstappen doesn't the, appear to slow down. No, the yellow was waving for Vettel as well. 
Yes, the yellow was waving for Vettel. Uh, Vettel did said, slow down. He said later that it was the yellow that he saw that made him slow down. Right. Uh, um, and then, but Verstappen does not appear to slow down and talked with a reporter after the session. Danny, do you want to go over this one? Yeah, God. Uh, this, the whole, like, the whole moment to moment of this uh, evolving story was, like, kind of difficult to watch because it just felt like such a. And it was an unforced error, it felt like, in the first place for Max, because just to put you in, like, because I was watching it, the the track had been evolving pretty steadily, so everyone's second runs were way better. That happened in uh, Q2 as well. So, but he had set, like, he was the only one that broke into the 114s. He was had quite a decent amount uh, of pace in front of him, so it felt like they weren't going to catch him. It felt like if the Mercedes or the Ferraris were going to do it, they would have done it by now. Um, so... There was the feeling that, like, I I was almost thinking, like, because he was behind, he was fairly close to Vettel, but it was almost one of those situations where they might actually just pull him in straight away. Like, if they if one of the if Mercedes passed the line, they don't beat him, they might just pull him in, he'd be fine. Um, but he certainly didn't need to like go for it. It felt like, especially mm-hmm. if there were yellows there. I don't know. So and he beat his old time when he came around on this second run. Yes, he he beat he made a new track record, which mm-hmm. reg- regardless of what happened afterwards is still there so the yeah. current lab the current lap record was done with a waved yellow um so he was talking to uh lawrence edmondson from espn uh and i'll just kind of do both sides of this i'll read it verbatim uh lawrence said max it looks like you set a fastest final sector despite the accident of botas can you explain whether you backed off or if you were aware of it uh, if you saw the yellow flag coming into that corner max says i was aware that valtteri crashed did you back off uh it didn't really look like it did it no Hmm. Uh, anything more you'd like to say on this topic max uh no i think we all know what a yellow flag means um then Lauren says uh why didn't you back off then if you saw the yellow uh, max replies well it doesn't matter does it um Lauren says well it might if the fi looks into it fia looks into it sorry um, well then delete my lap max says the second the other lap was fine as well uh the final question uh not from a safety perspective any concerns to which Max finally replies, uh, do we have to go there to safety? I think we know what we are doing. Otherwise, we would not be driving an F1 car. It's qualifying. And yeah, you go for it. But like I said before, if they want to delete the lap, then delete the lap. So Max uh, talking with the sort of... Uh, um, it's clearly frustrated, but also talking with a sort of a confidence that seems to stem from the fact that he forgets how FIA rules work. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that he's expecting that maybe he might get a deleted lap like you would if you, you know, too many wheels exceeded went off the limits, race. Yeah, yeah, exceeded track limits or there's there's a number of different ways you can you can have your lap deleted. Um, but it seems pretty obvious that if you contravene a, 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 a flag that they're going to give you a grid penalty. Like, this is one of those things that is in the rule book of if this, then this. Yeah. It's a pretty clear thing and uh autosport has some quotes from the race director michael massey saying um number one that that botas's impact severed the cord that sends the yellow flag or virtual safety car signal from the marshal's post to like the main controller right meaning that the drivers didn't get the warning on their dash as they usually do nor did the yellow get officially recorded in the timing system Hmm. had that done so uh, Verstappen's infraction would have been automatically 
noticed because the computer would have been able to say, oh, this is a yellow flag time and you didn't right. slow down. Instead, the stewards who uh, this article points out were also busy investigating a potential unsafe release of Danny Kvyat into Ricardo, uh, only looked into it later. So uh, like I said, Hamilton was cleared because the marshal hadn't gotten the flag out yet. Vettel was cleared because he did lift. Data showed that Verstappen did not uh, once they did uh, look into this. And there was an onboard that they posted on their YouTube channel pretty quickly, which was, yeah, uh, which showed the yellow. But again, it's, you know, it's difficult for drivers to see everything all the time. Um, but it was yeah, a that's fact. That's why they have that dash signaling system. But right. That didn't for work. Virtu- virtual safety cars, for instance, that they completely are reliant on that, for instance, yeah. to get everyone down to Delta as, at the same time. But in fact, Verstappen kind of lucked out here because the marshal only had time to wave a single yellow flag. Yes. Uh, it should have been double yellows for yeah. that incident, for which the grid penalty is five positions. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, Botas's car, though, um, was able to be repaired, uh, amazingly, before the race starts. In mm. fact, Mercedes' Twitter account um, tweeted what they had to repair. I don't even know what a lot of these acronyms are, but LHS and RHS front suspension assembly, power steering rack, steering column, steering wheel, LHS and RHS outboard rear suspension assembly, rear heave spring unit, uh, my nickname in high school, uh, RARB drop links, RARB front wing slash nose assembly. That's a whole lot. Yeah. Sound, sounds like a whole, I guess it's a whole lot. It's a good thing the engines are in the back of these things. That's very true. You'd be going through a lot more power units. Unlike a NASCAR. <laughs> Let's go for a, a front-wheel drive F1 cars. That seems like <laughs> a good idea. Uh, and so with that, Charles Leclerc inherits pole position because he qualified second. Mm. Uh, behind him, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton starting third. Max is starting fourth. Behind him, his teammate Alex Albon. Then Valtteri Bottas, uh, Carlos Sainz. Lando Norris, Danny Kvyat, and Pierre Gasly rounding out the top 10. Yeah, worth mentioning that, like, Botas's crash kind of screwed everyone. Obviously, it screwed up Verstappen in a very particular way, mm-hmm. but um, you were kind of expecting one of the Mercedes to maybe get ahead of, like, they were fairly close to them, especially Botas, yeah. who hadn't a, exactly a great lap, um, who was uh, yeah, over, uh, qualified by Albon. Um, so it kind of, it, it made for an interesting grid, if nothing else. You're kind of thinking, oh, like, there's a bunch of cars that might get gobbled up here. Right. Uh, Sergio Perez starts uh, 11th behind him. We got Hulkenberg, Ricardo, Raikkonen, Giovinazzi in 15th, then Stroll, Magnussen, Grosjean, Russell, and Kubica. Kubica. Bobby K. So, Danny, do you yes, want sir. to take us through the start of sure. this race? Yeah, why not? Uh, all eyes on kind of the two Ferraris going into it uh, because Vettel in second, but he's on the inside line. He's on the inside of the track, which uh, often has a bit more rubber down. This track is a funny one. We talked about it last week. It's super high altitude, which means it's really high on mechanical grip and not so much aero grip. Um, so you're thinking, oh, if somebody gets a start, a nice start on this one, uh, they, they, they might be able to, to, to gobble somebody else up. Uh, as it happens, Leclerc had a really good start. Uh, Vettel had a decent start, but Hamilton had a super start um, uh, sitting behind Leclerc in third. Uh, he tried to sort of uh, get up as fast as possible behind Leclerc, uh, but Vettel 
covered him off fairly quickly. Um, he didn't so much jut out as he just sort of progressed into the the slipstream behind Leclerc. Um, but in so doing, uh, basically kind of shut the door and had Hamilton gobbled up some of the grass, which appears it's not like um, you know, a lot of the other tracks where there is a grass ridge that sits alongside the racetrack. This is a sort of an area of the track that disappears a little bit as it focus as it uh, tightens uh, um, once the start finish straight is uh, once the grid spot once you're past the grid spots. So he kind of jump landed in the grass, kind of like the way Ricardo did in Australia when he smashed his front wing apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you watch in slow motion, it's actually pretty bad because you see Hamilton lose the back a little bit, but he manages to. Um, uh, keep it together uh, but what when that happens he basically ends up in a one-on-one fight with Verstappen now going into that first corner so as we're going into the first corner Leclerc is happy in front uh, Vettel is um, oh no Vettel, yeah wait did, yeah it's Leclerc first then Vettel and then we have Max and Lewis and Max says I'm like so sure Max is going to crash on this first lap just looking at how angry <laughs> he must be after this whole thing yeah. um I tweeted it two days early and I was like, here we go. We're going to see if it happens. Um, I actually think he left Lewis like a good amount of space on the right-hander into turn one. But as they came into the second one, Lewis has a kind of a little bit of a wobble. He like kind of understeers a little bit and he's trying to like straighten it out. And him and Max have a, like a, like one of those awkward taps where you're, it's not on the wheels. It's not flush in the middle. It's kind of just like, you're you're getting your front wing in places you don't need to and when that happened max kind of like went okay no i'm i'm, I'm moving out a little bit um which was a good idea because lewis also missed the, the turn they both ended up going over the grass so i think there's a way worse version of this crash where max was actually yeah. um not as uh not as sharp in getting out of the way as he could have been so i, I was kind of exp- I don't know, expecting to be criticizing Max on this first lap, but actually I think he did a really good job considering um, how wiggly uh, Lewis was. Uh, They all cut across that um, part of the track and sort of like immediately get in the way of a bunch of other people. Uh, The... his teammate Valtteri Bottas is there. I think it was Lando Norris was there, and then who was was it? Carlos Sainz, I think, was the yeah, highest. Yeah, McLaren's, I think. So Sainz got passed, and then I think Lando was next. Um, who who did it on the turn? Uh, but uh, yeah, they were all kind that of allowed all, Albon to third though. Yeah, it was amazing. Right behind him when they went yeah, off, which is the highest I think he's been on a maybe maybe not including some weird pit strategy thing or whatever. Um. But it was great because the, the fight was then between sort of uh, Hamilton and Lando. Verstappen had another wiggle on like turn six or seven. He went out. Uh, he like overshot uh, one of the turns. I'm not sure if at that stage people were wondering, oh, is that a puncture? Is that what's happened there? Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, that whole opening lap was a uh, opening couple of turns uh, was just had bunches and bunches of action in it. Where did Grosjean qualify? Um way back because he's last halfway through this lap i think yeah and and what everyone 18th he qualified 18th yeah so i think yeah everyone was then wondering whether or not because we got a virtual safety car right that's right yeah and everyone was wondering because Grosjean was last, and I, maybe it's like a muscle. But the minute it happened, I thought, and <laughs> I, I like, think where's Cro- Grosjean? Crofty said it as well. Yeah, that was like, uh oh, where's Grosjean? Like it's <laughs> the minute there's the a flag and nobody knows what's happened. You look at like the last name on the grid. And it was there like, was a time I think it was during qualifying where 
they were the you know the the video feed was following Grosjean's lap and it cut to that camera that's like in the track where you see the car drive over yeah and like no car drove over <laughs> because he had spun off oh really yeah oh i missed that that's amazing uh, uh yeah. yeah he i don't i don't know what happened and i i didn't ever get any confirmation of what the virtual safety car was for it didn't last very long uh, i think it was debris but i don't know where oh, that's right yeah, yeah there was something Maybe was left somewhere Hamilton and Verstappen did crunch into each other a little bit. Hamilton got some floor damage. Right. Uh, Vettel hit the back of Leclerc in a oh, really lucky uh, incident because his his front wing hit uh, Leclerc's rear tire, but squarely on the back of it, not on the sidewall where it's where it's vulnerable. Yes. Uh, also, Kimi Raikkonen got squeezed, and that may also have been contributing to the uh, um, debris on the track. But uh, I think he lost uh, some carbon fiber too. Mm. Uh, lap four for Stappen still um, struggling to uh, crawl back places. He yeah, dives seventh. past. Yeah, uh, he he dives past Botas um, in the stadium section, which is not usually a place where you make passes. No. Uh, and almost does it. Almost gets away uh, with the pass on Botas. He yeah. unfortunately, though, Botas like jukes out of the way because max dives down his inside and then when he turns back botas to uh get back on the racing line clips uh verstappen's rear tire and uh gives him a puncture yeah which we didn't know this really until they were going down the start finish straight and valtteri did an exceedingly simple overtake um yeah which which seemed um a bit shocking and then i think what happened was max got a little bit squiggly getting it down into turn one uh and then lost probably thankfully probably lost almost the entire set of rubber off off of uh yeah kind of, of the peeled wheel. the whole thing like peeled away from his car because sometimes what you see is like the tire gets shredded and then is just continually on the wheel still yes. and like tearing up the rear of the car but in fact his tire flew off and it <laughs> stayed together yeah. in a loop and like rolled across the track right in front of ricardo who had to yeah, take some they evasive to, action they had to take avoiding action it was ridiculous um yeah and uh, to me like this is another situation of like the reason we love max and the reason max is the biggest his biggest um enemy is he overtook in a place that most people don't overtake which is smart unless you're coming and up skillful. on skillful it really like it's an amazing it's a great piece of uh uh, you know of driving craft unfortunately when cra- when do crashes happen right it's when it's when people don't realize what's happening or when there's a miscommunication or people aren't uh taking a line or doing a defensive act they're kind of half doing it and i think what happened was botas wasn't expecting to be overtaken there and if he knew he was being overtaken because he doesn't want to get his front wing either these cars don't want to touch each other but right. he kind of accidentally clipped max in doing it so, like, not to, again, I don't want to be like the, the armchair, you know, racer telling Max how to drive or anything like that. But it just felt like it was frustrating as somebody who was hoping to see him, you know, make his way through the grid in that, like, he was about to come up on the start-finish straight. Granted, there were problems with, like, cars overheating and stuff, but at this stage, he was probably going to be able to gobble up Botas. He did it earlier, and he did it in a place where Botas wasn't expecting it overtaken, and he fucked his race by doing it. It wasn't his fault that he got hit, but like in doing that, he's taking a bigger risk than if he does it somewhere else. So I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe that's an unhealthy way of looking at it because 
we want people to overtake in interesting weird places and it's one of the reasons max is such a fun driver to watch but considering how like he had so he had an unforced error to kicked him back it just felt like frustrating to me that like oh he threw himself down in like this slow speed area and got tapped and that's what's going to ruin his race when there's so many other places he could have overtaken here um so i was i was a bit disappointed yeah frustrating for sure um not frustrating though watching sergio perez in this race yeah he uh was looking really good he got kvyat for eighth place on lap 10 viva mexico Uh, yeah which (laughs) just great great fans uh and uh, especially just being able to see them all in the stadium section is just really fun did you see the lady with the deal with her glasses on no <laughs> yeah she had like the, the yeah it was pretty cool i did see like, like they cut to the same little girl a couple of times who was just <laughs> like way into it uh wearing i think some ferrari colors but um, also yeah, uh lap 13 norris uh oh comes into pit you want to take us through this one? Oh boy, God, this was a this was a recurring problem. Um, yeah, yeah, not a lot of good pits here. No, he got. I I saw this in real. Everyone saw this. In fact, I think Ted Kravitz was in the uh, was is in the pit lane while it happened, and he was immediately talking about it. I saw it happen in real time, and I it was just the front left. I think it was the uh, the gun had a go, and then was clearly like not happy with it and going for another go, and. They released him, and the hands went up, the X went up straight away, um, and I guess he was smart enough, or they were on the radio quickly enough with him. The radio, yeah. That he stopped before the pick's exit line. Um, you're not allowed to reverse under any circumstances on these tracks. If you do, it's an in, uh, it's an instant uh, black flag, um, I think, or DQ. Um, Certainly in the pit lane. Yes, you're. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure during racing conditions you're just not allowed to do it um okay. but definitely not in the pit lane for sure um but if you go in neutral they can roll you back uh i think there are also rules about that like you can't do it if there's other cars in the pit lane or if there's you can't obstruct the track and um, there's there's other it's not like a car launch kind of thing um but they were able to wheel his ass the whole way back <laughs> which you kind of realize how fast f1 cars are that he was driving for three and a half seconds and it took them like 30 seconds to roll it back to the yeah. to the garage um but they did get him back reseated the tire and and released him um but it wasn't the only time we had a bit of a a problem with the guns or a problem no with and this something. is i mean this is exactly the sort of thing that their automatic uh pit light system is supposed to yeah. prevent and they talked a little bit the commentators did about how this system is supposed to work um and it's Apparently, the wheel gun has a detector on it that can detect torque. And so when it reaches a certain level of torque, that means it tells the wheel gun that the tire is sufficiently screwed on enough. Uh, Then if all four guns report that, the light changes from red to green. And that's when the driver knows he has to go. But Mm. here, you watch the replay, the light goes green for like point one second which is enough for you know to trigger norris's uh you know reaction yeah. for him to go but then it immediately turns red again so i don't know what happened um and i think there might the also gun. be like a, a a dead man switch where a, a person has to physically press it to go right. as well or can veto it somehow there was a guy over the shoulder of the 
um, the uh, mechanic on the rear right. le- or the front left with a like an orange, look like a garage door opener. Um, yeah, I'd love some more detail about how that is supposed to work and and why it didn't work in this case. Yeah, and this is it's all you know relatively new technology. Uh, considering for years it was lollipop men who also were responsible for the unsafe release. I think that's where the dead man's handle comes in now is that they can, somebody can veto the light coming on because it's not just about getting the wheels on, but it's also making sure that the driver can exit onto the pit road right, without, yeah. without hitting somebody. So that was, so yeah. So I don't know. Um, I wonder if it was like the, the tire wasn't seated correctly. And so you screw on the nut and it stops and so the torque gets reported. Like if you're using a drill, do you ever use a drill there. and like like put like you 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 latch badly on a nail or a drill yeah. when you're putting into a wall and you get that you know what I mean? Like it like it stops, but it's like oh you're not stopping for the right reason. It's yeah, yeah. it's not finished going in. It's just you've caught you've caught it wrong. Right. Um. Yeah, it was a uh, a real shame. He was in such a good spot. He was in a great track position. The car seemed to be doing all right. Um. Yeah, real real shame. Uh, soon after that, we start seeing pit stops. I think Albin pits first. Um, and Leclerc then makes a stop to cover Albin because he's mm. protecting himself against uh, the undercut. So Albin pits, then Leclerc pits, which means that like slots Leclerc in for a two-stop race because this is too early to be able to pit uh, and then go on to hards and finish the race. Um. And because they committed Leclerc to that, Ferrari split the strategy uh, and committed Vettel to a one-stop to cover Hamilton. Mm. Um, Soon after that, we get another Bosch pit stop, the Giovinazzi. Yeah. Which is a weird one. They, I think they drop him while the tire isn't on or something, and he tries to go, but then... I think what happened... I think they dropped him... Yeah, the tire wasn't on, but he didn't notice until he spun it up, and it immediately shot off, and the bottom rear of the car bottomed out. Yeah, and then it looked like it looked like something weird had happened to his rear left, but I guess he had because he'd the way the the car yawed, he like picked up the pit markings that had been yeah. stuck on the ground, uh-huh. and they had to tear those off as well. There was like it right was the, so the yellow stripes. Yeah, yeah, I'd never seen that happen where like it just. I guess it never happens with a rear. Often you're like at the fronts kind of getting loose like that. But yeah, it was it just came off right away. It was like it was like watching a wheel coming off a wagon. Like the whole thing just like haltered down, <laughs> yeah. you know, got stuck. You ever see uh, like road crews um, remove road markings? No. They, at least for some of the stuff, like sometimes it's just paint on the road, but sometimes it's like this really thick paint. Right. Where it's almost like, you know, a quarter, a half inch thick. I saw a guy, part of a road crew, with a, it was like a, it wasn't a flamethrower, but it was like <laughs> a long, almost like a giant version of those click lighters that you use to light like a candle or something. Yeah. Um, but, it's, you know, the, the the end of it was like you know, the size or... of a, um, like a, I don't know, like a hole on a golf course. And that was just like spewing flame and so he would jet this flame over the road markings and they would kind of curl up oh wow. wait and was that's he... how they would remove it 
was he was he doing alongside like he was moving alongside it like yeah it was like a long kind of like a vacuum cleaner almost but at the end is fire wow and so they were just removing it that way that's crazy yeah uh didn't see any fire uh in this race except for the at the end they have mexico has some really good pyro (laughs) yeah um but lap 24 hamilton pits uh from i think was he he was now he was not leading at this stage he was in second second by um, vettel yeah vettel was in first so hamilton pit for hard tires uh and vettel stays out he doesn't cover the undercut which initially i couldn't really understand why they wanted to do this um but uh after the race matteo Bonotto said that the margin was too close if they had pulled him in the next lap hamilton would have already gotten past him so um they also uh, thought during the race that since they couldn't do that, Vettel could extend this stint. And even if Vettel came out behind Hamilton, if Vettel had much newer tires, he would be able to get by Hamilton with those new tires because Hamilton's would be falling off the cliff at that point. He'd be going a lot slower. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the, even... Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. This was kind of the, the beginning of the narrative of this race, which was that, oh, we're in a two-stop world here. And also the dynamics of this particular track are kind of so complex that like everyone's kind of hedging their bets nobody really knows what's going to happen where they're all the, the windows in terms of performance and probably a lot to do with like which cars are happy here and which aren't and also the fact that the red bulls are kind of in the mix a little bit like mm-hmm. by the stage for stopping stop but albon is still albon was the concertina right he was the one that made them all pit in the end um that that oh that like anything can happen was kind of and there was no one strategy that really seemed like everything was kind of felt like it was within a second of of being a good decision or a bad decision um and that's all was fun i think for the next 20 or so laps that was what was like kept this race really engaging for sure and even hamilton's uh is not convinced he says soon after that pit stop i think we stopped too early right uh, and I think uh, James Allison, I think is his name. Yeah, right? Bono apparently is undergoing some sort of medical procedure in the UK at the moment. Right. Uh, so, so he, he was had, off this race. Yeah, he had uh, another guy in for as his race engineer, which it's interesting uh, hearing the difference between... I mean, Hamilton sometimes, he, he often gets uh, kind of heated over the radio. But Bono is, to me, he's... Um, you know how in zoos, uh, cheetahs are apparently really... <laughs> high strung okay oh really and so they when he, they have a cheetah p- a puppy or not a puppy a, a cheetah kitten they give it a puppy of like a yellow lab or a golden retriever to grow up with because oh, it's right. a calming presence and to Fun. me bono is the yellow lab to hamilton's <laughs> cheetah uh yeah vettel keeps up the pace though um out on track having not pitted and he stays for a long time about five seconds ahead of botas uh who is uh, has also not pitted is shadowing fettles mm. um strategy and like as you said the cool thing about all of this is that everyone's doing something different and it's not clear what the best strategy is uh, and it, it goes on like that for uh almost right until the end we don't know mm. um what's going to happen uh but between then and uh, the end, lap 33, good battle between Verstappen and Sainz. Um, yeah, Verstappen slowly making his way through on the set of tires that he put on, like lap three or whatever, was it? Yeah, or or, yeah. Four? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, five, yeah, I think so. A lot of people in the hards during this middle part of the, 
the race as well. Yeah, including uh, Ricardo, who started on the hards uh, <laughs> and goes for a very long time. Uh, lap 37, though, is when the leader's hand gets forced by Botas trying to undercut Vettel. Um, one lap later, Vettel covers that and rejoins in fourth ahead of Botas. So now on track, we've got Leclerc in first, who has pitted. Um, I guess everyone here has pitted. Uh, Leclerc pitted for a two-stop. Hamilton uh, has now pitted for his long stint on the hards. Albon has pitted. Vettel has pitted. Botas. And then Ricardo in sixth place, who has not pitted. No. Um, we also had a Vettel, I think it was... Gasly and Norris? Is that right? Gasly and Sainz, sorry, of course. Norris is like a minute behind everyone at this stage. Um, this is like the first of the blue flag situations where you have a lot of people in the mid-pack racing each other, some racing against for constructor positions, um, and then some of the uh, the leaders getting involved in it. So uh, Vettel did, it was around lap 36. He, he got kind of got caught up and Sainz had to like get it away a little bit yeah um, thankfully they were both on the same page and they both went the right way um because that could have been a lot worse right yeah i think uh the williams is, as well were battling and yes totally then we get another botched pit stop lap 44 leclerc comes in uh and does a like a six second stop because they just can't get a tire on rear right again it wasn't it uh, Albon covers this with, uh, I think, the fastest stop of the race, 1.9 yeah. seconds. Blistering fast. Amazing. God, they're so good at him. Uh, but still rejoins in fifth behind Leclerc. And so everyone's kind of all eyes on Hamilton to see if his tires are going to last. Ricardo, though, pits on lap 51 <laughs> of 72. He has to, though, right? Um, this is his first pit. This is, yeah, but like... Those tires lasted for 51 laps. At this point, yeah. Hamilton in first, his tires are 33 laps old. Vettel is in second, his are 19 laps old. So that's a pretty big difference. Botas what lap is, is this? 20 uh, around lap 51. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Botas's are 20 laps old and Leclerc's are 13. So, you know, Hamilton's real old, everybody behind him much newer. And yeah. the cars are getting lighter too, which means that maybe the wear on the hards won't be as bad as... Mm. Um, you would expect. Uh, left fifty one. Unfortunately, Norris retires. I guess it just he was just so far back after that yeah. Bosch pit stop. It didn't really make sense. Want to save save engines and stuff. Uh, Raikkonen also retired. I didn't see why necessarily, except maybe some uh, latent problems from the first lap incident where he right. got crunched between two cars. Yeah, we didn't see much of him at all in this race. Uh, and Ricardo, after his pit stop, is trying to make up a position on Perez. On lap 61, he tries it, goes way too deep <laughs> on the inside, uh, locks up and goes off the grass, but you can't fault him for uh, for trying to yeah. just send it. Every every person in the stadium was happy with how that went there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I also like that Norris, while he's in the garage, having retired, he's watching the race but he's not watching the feed he's watching ricardo's on board oh cool yeah that's awesome which i think at that point was the closest battle so i could i could see him being like looking at the the you know time deltas between the gaps between each driver on track and saying like all right i want to watch this right yeah totally this battle um anything else before the final lap 
Uh, the other thing I think of, there was a couple of little love taps that happened. I think it was uh, Magnuson got tapped by Verstappen, Verstappen? at one stage. Yeah. And then Verstappen, like, what it looked like on the t- on this feed that he just <laughs> drove off the track to overtake him. <laughs> like, he was just like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, just, I like, watched that again. Yeah. Was, I, Magnuson was going wide, I think. Yeah, he was, I think. So they didn't, uh, they investigated it briefly and then said it was all fine. Uh, and then Danny Kivash just like, like <laughs> straight up just like, I don't know, shoved Hulkenberg off the uh, off the track to to overtake him for a position. So, um, yeah, tapped his rear right while they were taking a right-hander. Uh, I think it was the final corner mm-hmm. uh, right after the stadium section uh, and spun Hulkenberg. That, wait, was that actually the last lap? Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. And uh, earned a 10-second time penalty. Oh, he did. Did okay. Kvyat and uh, moved Hulkenberg up to 10th place. So, with that, the finish, Leclerc earns fastest lap, but Hamilton wins the race on the day. But, seeing as uh, Vettel in second and Botas in third, Hamilton does not earn the Drivers' Championship uh, at the Mexico Grand Prix. I think, you know what, he won it twice here already. Mm -hmm. You probably would like to... I'm not going to sit here and tell you Botas going <laughs> to figure this out. <laughs> Win three races and he'll not score. But uh, yeah, he seems to like America. That might be a better play. Maybe he'll mix it up this year and win the championship a little further north. Perhaps. Uh, he does, however, rise from the stage. <laughs> Man, Formula One... Like a uh, Madonna show. Vince McMahon has been helping out or something. <laughs> this was some this was some real like Titantron intro wrestling stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> with also, the car. <laughs> with the car. Yeah. It was it's a cool moment, actually. I'll see if I can uh I can link that in the show notes. That's, I think yeah. F1's I'm, Twitter account linked it. I'm surprised they let him stand on the car while it was being raised. Yeah. He also had Maybe his, he like, didn't ask. He had his like, yeah, good point. He also had his like Nixon piece hands up as well, <laughs> which is interesting. He's like, hey guys, uh, I should have walked up the stairs. It probably would have been better for the planet, but here we are. <laughs> uh, did you see uh, when they were standing on the podium, arms around each other for the photos, The there's like this guy up there, like a mascot. He's like, dressed in a black driver's suit and a helmet and a sombrero. Sombrero, And he's got yeah. a big selfie stick. He tried to, like, get in on the photo, and Vettel just pushed him away. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. I saw oh, Lewis I'll take the sombrero too. from him. <laughs> he's This guy was like the Mexican... He was like the uh, Circuit Hermanos Rodriguez uh, Formula EJ. Yeah, he was what kind he of like, like. Their brand ambassador or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yes, Lewis Hamilton on top. Sebastian Vettel in second, Valtteri Bottas in third, Charles Leclerc in fourth, Alexander Albon uh, in fifth, uh, Max Verstappen in sixth, Sergio Perez, best of the rest, in his home uh, turf, awesome. seventh place, Danny Rick holding on for eighth place with that super special tire strategy, Pierre Gasly in ninth, and Nico Hulkenberg uh, coming home in tenth place after Danny Kvyat, who um, got that 10-second uh, time penalty, finishes 11th, behind him, Stroll, Signs, Antonio Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnuson in 15th. Then we got Russell, Grosjean, and Kubica. Not classified were Kimi Raikkonen and Norris, who both uh, retired. Also, this means that Albon has outscored Verstappen since he joined Red Bull. Wow. Yeah. Consistent. 
He's a good driver. There was a great little back and forth between him and Lando again. I think it was after Quali. They were having a bit of fun, just about the Japan incident again. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I love... I, I think he's so much fun because like, he just seems like somebody who... like He's Alan? an incredible driver. Yeah. He's an incredible driver, but he also seems like somebody who like won the chance to race an F1 car in the back of a cereal box. Like he just seems like a massive F1 fan who's yeah. like just just so happens to be good enough to be able to drive. He's so down to earth. It's uh yeah. You should listen to the uh the Beyond the Great episode that he did. I totally it's, should. It's really yeah. good. Uh but it, it's to- it feels like that. It feels like I can I can I can't believe that I'm here. Like it's I'm interested that sort in his of background attitude. as well cuz he's he's Singaporean, is that right? But he's but he grew up in the UK. Uh, he's half Thai. His Thai, mother is Thai. Sorry, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I haven't looked into this, so um, I probably shouldn't even say it. But he alludes to the fact that he had like there were some like dark years, right? Okay, in his past. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because his mother was in jail. Okay. And I haven't looked into that, but Pol- if you listen to that, that's why. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I would. I would love to know more about wow, that. But, yeah, I'll check uh, that out. Let me run down the driver standings here. Lewis Hamilton, uh, that much closer to the driver's championship. He's got 363 points. His teammate, Valtteri Bottas, in second with 289. The only guy who could theoretically take the championship from him. Charles Leclerc is in third with 236. Sebastian Vettel's in fourth with 230. Max Verstappen has 220. Uh, Sixth place, Pierre Gassi with 77. Carlos Sainz with 76. Alex Albon with 74. We jumped down a bit to Sergio Perez with 43, Danny Rick in 10th place with 38. Then a tie for 11th place, Nico Hulkenberg and Lando Norris. Danny Kvyat right behind with 31. I'm sorry, 34. Kimi Räikkönen's got 31. Lance Stroll's got 21. Magnussen has 20. Roman Grosjean with 8. Those are their race numbers, by the way. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi has 4 points. Robert Kubica with 1. And George Russell with 0. Awesome. Yeah, a couple of, I guess, fights to look forward to for the last couple of races. I mean, the big one is between Leclerc and Vettel for who gets third. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be very telling, I think, going into next season. Uh, Max is in the mix there, of course, as well. Third, probably out of reach unless Ferrari have a really bad end of the season, but nobody really sees that happening. Um, but who knows? Unless you do a pull a Singapore. Singapore. Oh, where the two Ferraris collided. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was thinking of Baku. Last but that year. was Yeah, yeah, totally. If that happens, then absolutely uh, gobble up those points. Um, and then I'm trying to think where else we have, I guess, for 9th and 10th, they're relatively close. Perez, Ricardo, and Hulkenberg. Well, I guess Ricardo and Hulkenberg are pretty close to each other. Um, and then, of course, Lando's in the mix there as well. Uh, and Kvyat. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fun to see who gets that 10th place and maybe who gets the 9th place. Although I think Perez has daylight um but we'll see yeah yeah it's always interesting to see how team form changes over the course of Mm. the year like who is slipping who's gotten better and better um the constructor standings there's a close fight here uh not between mercedes and ferrari they've already clinched (laughs) but uh ferrari's got uh mercedes has 652 ferrari's got 466 red bull in third with 341 mclaren is is in a solid fourth currently with 111 renault's got 73 that's another one that you could say uh is conditional if mclaren holds it together totally um well i think uh, yeah we'll get to renault's troubles but maybe they won't surge ahead 
even hearing Danny talk in interviews beforehand, I think they have now kind of decided that fourth is not going to happen, obviously, but okay. that the worry now is that they just want to make sure they can shore up fifth because Toros are breathing down their neck. And Racing Point, they're both tied yes. for sixth place with 64 points. Uh, Alfa Romeo for hasn't, hasn't had such a great second half of the season. They've only got 35 points. Gene Haas and team, same deal. They only got 28 points. And Williams with one. What if George Russell gets in ninth position? And just, or two tenths. And just pips Bobby K right at the oh, end. Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be rough. Yeah, it would. Uh, speaking of Renault, though, should we take it to the news? Yeah, let's do it. Gosh. So we had mentioned last week that um, Racing Point had inquired to the FIA about Renault's braking, brake bias system. Um, which I actually, uh, we got some clarification uh, from this from racefans.net. Otmar Safnauer, the team principal of uh, Racing Point, came out and said, it's not that we were like uh, tattling on them. We just wanted to use their system on our car. <laughs> and so we asked the FIA, hey, can we do this? And then the FIA was like, uh, we're investigating Renault. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but the FIA has since ruled on that. And it's kind of confusing. Uh, yeah. Let me read what the um, stewards have said. Uh, the rear brake controller software used by Renault is an integral part of the control system referred to in article blah, blah, blah. As such, it is used in compliance with article blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> the described control system is not preset lap distance dependent, as it was alleged. Renault drivers use buttons mounted on the steering wheel to control brake balance in compliance with article 363, or, I'm sorry, 863. Uh, of the regulations, these are connected to the FIA standard ECU, the Electronic Control Unit. Given the above, the stewards conclude that while Renault used innovative solutions to exploit certain <laughs> ambiguities in the technical regulations and oh. other supporting documents, their system does not breach any current technical regulation. There's a big ol' however here. That's though. the technical regulation. Right. The brake balance adjustment system in question acts as a driver aid by saving the driver from having to make a number of adjustments during a lap. Therefore, it contravenes Article 27.1 of the sporting uh, regulations, uh, which state that a driver must drive the car alone and unaided. So, technically, this system on its own does not break any rules, <laughs> but using it yes. does. <laughs> Very well put. I think you, that's the clearest explanation I've heard uh, yet. Um, so, the FIA saw fit to disqualify Renault from the Japanese Grand Prix. Sorry, Cyril. Uh, Where did so they, they finish their Japan points. again? I don't remember. I remember, but they had points. So that. That, that's one of the reasons why this is maybe a more stressful end to the season than they would like. You know, it was always going to be like a transitional year, but yeah, I think I think there'll be a lot of frowny faces in France if they don't land fifth. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Autosport uh, has an article here. I'm just going to read it. Team boss Cyril Abitable revealed that the device had been used, quote, for a while, <laughs> but would not confirm how long beyond oh, admitting it was in operation before 2019. 
Roman Grosjean drove for <laughs> Lotus in 2015, yeah. the final season of that team before it became Renault again, alongside Pastor Maldonado, uh, but moved to Haas the following year. Asked if he had met had mentioned on Thursday at the Mexican Grand Prix that he drove with the system since the spa round in 2015 in which he scored a podium. Grosjean said, I may have. Yes. This is fascinating. Yeah. Because now I'm like, when he leaves from one team to another, surely he has to sign a rake of paperwork that says, I'm not going to tell you how business is done over there. Grosjean was then asked whether he considered the device to be legal and responded, quote, well, let's say that I asked to replicate it later on and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> it was good, though. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love yeah. the idea that they were using it for years. And that what if the what if the reason the Haas has been not working so well this year is because they were trying to <laughs> retrofit this thing? Right. <laughs> Into the car. Oh God! Uh, Renault a, is is not appealing, by the way. Yeah, uh, there was a good shot of Gunter Steiner with his hands in his uh, face this race. I mean, I feel like we get one every race this year, but <laughs> God, I hope it's better for him next year. Ah, uh, yeah, me too. It's I think their a, their focus is fully on next year's car. Yeah, God, I hope. I hope. Yeah, I hope so. This was this was rougher than this is the roughest year they've had by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next year, Danny? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that graphic. Finally, we got some answers on the, uh, the what are we calling it? The, the tire graphic, the tire wear graphic um, that uh, mysteriously appeared a number of races ago um, in Japan. Uh, so this is coming from Autosport um, and basically sort of clarifies uh, the graphic and why it's being uh, improved. Uh, yeah, this Pirelli- is w- when, they, when they show it on screen, it'll say like, here's a, a picture of the car and then color-coded tires with percentages like the the front left is 70 percent worn or whatever yeah it was quite specific and also had never been talked about it just kind of like right surprise here's this yeah with no real explanation of where this data is coming from totally um so the big question we had i guess was like oh i guess pirelli are providing them with data or something pretty or the or the the teams or something right somebody nope uh but they are now maybe uh pirelli is working with formula one organization to improve the misleading on-screen tire graphics that were used for the first time during the japanese grand prix Uh, f1 has continued to experiment with graphics in an effort to provide viewers with extra technical information at suzuka numbers related to tire condition with a percentage for each corner of the car was shown on screen but pirelli boss mario isola of course said that the innovation came as a surprise to the tire supplier and suggested that the information was quote-unquote misleading stressing the number of variables means it is impossible to make such predictions which i feel like we were saying everyone on twitter was saying most journalists were saying like how are they able to like and it's okay having some sort of guide but being that specific was a little bit weird uh going back to autosport in an effort to understand where the information used in japan came from and to improve the service in the future pretty met with the f1 tv representatives in mexico on saturday uh, the plan is to have a more emphasis on performance than the more generic condition uh, the data is not coming from us Sola said of the suzuka experiment and i think it's very difficult to predict the level of wear of any car we make an estimation based on the average but then you have data related to each single car and they are different uh, and this is something that also the teams would like to know so yeah it was a uh, Funny that they just decided to stick that thing up. And I think it was the specificity of it that was particularly odd to everyone. That, like, percentage is very specific. 
and then also the where the 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 wording was was tire wear i think or was it con- i think so yeah so it wasn't Maybe like condition condition it was it, it wasn't it wasn't like it was too specific it felt like oh this is you're getting this from somewhere you're not just like you know saying how many laps they had been on the tire and proposed right. where it was each tire as well so and and we know that like the, there's so many variables like one of the things that happened in the race for instance was it was just so hot that actually overtaking was quite difficult for uh cars later on in their in their stretch um Votas was having massive problems with overheating brakes, for instance. And like that sort of stuff that like you can't you don't really know until the rubber hits the road, um, so to speak. So yeah, it was nice. uh interest thank you. Um interesting to uh to to see that. And then this is a, a statement um which I think was all about what's more, a bit more recent. Uh, the graphic will provide an insight into the current condition of any car's tires in terms of relative performance uh, by analyzing timing and telemetry information and estimating lap time lost due to tires, whilst concurrently calculating the single tire energies and providing the viewer with a more accurate understanding of a tire condition's effect on performance on the platform. So I guess that is the new version of the graphic that we will be seeing. Yeah, in the relative performance by estimating lap time lost. Okay. So, so I would Delta's love to just lap see to lap. But like even that doesn't show you, right? Because I want to see the algorithm. I want to see the formula. I don't need to know. I think I think this is getting too much into the weeds. I think they could say tire like tire life or something like that. Like something that just says these tires are old. I feel like we're I don't know. They're making or, problems for you themselves. You know what? Put it you know, have this but then have a little like slide out frame that says uh hot temperatures bend behind a car for 20 laps. Like right. have a couple things that explain it explain why or at least what things impact yeah this data that's a good idea for sure um i also worry that like highlighting one of these things like highlighting the tire wear doesn't tell the whole story of why a car is performing a certain way or and i don't know it just seems like if you're going to focus on it that much with that much specificity that like you're going to like the people who don't know how F1 necessarily works, they might then start putting way too much of an onus on tire wear, which is like important. But you know, as we saw in Mexico, for instance, like everyone was nursing their tires in one way or another. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it, it's not always the case that whoever has the best tires at the best time should overtake the person with the worst tires. It's like there's, there's sure, more going on than that. It's more information, and you feel like that the people broadcasting. Formula One should have access to more data than the viewers do. So mm. I think it's a good idea to, or at least I, I like the uh, the sentiment, but right. I would love to just have more clarity on that, I guess. Mm. Um, a couple more quick hits here. Gene Haas and team, they got another team. An oh, NASCAR team. The, F, the F1 thing is not really working out at the moment, Drew. <laughs> The the Haas NASCAR team, Stuart Haas, has been running uh, much longer than the Formula One Haas team. Um, so they know a thing or two about them NASCARs. And in fact, Tony Stewart, three-time three, three cup champion of NASCAR, uh-huh. is lending his expertise and car to the Haas boys at the U.S. Grand Prix. So Grosjean and Magnussen uh, are apparently going to sample a NASCAR car. 
uh before the uh before the race at circuit of the americas yeah which i think will be fun yeah i like that i like i like what coda brings to the table it's an interesting american culture smash kind of like pad on on the f1 season yeah which i like a lot yeah you may recall uh tony stewart taught kevin magnuson to drive a sprint car in (laughs) the netflix drive to survive series so I guess we'll see this NASCAR one in next year's uh, season. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of Circuit of the Americas, Danny, you want to take us down to Texas? Sure. Austin, Texas, down to Coda, as the locals call it. Circuit of the Americas uh, broke ground in 2010. We had our first race in 2012. It is basically a F1 circuit. Um, there was sort of allusions towards MotoGP stuff. It's It's... Here and there, uh, IndyCar did start this year. They had their first race on Coda uh, earlier this year, um, which was uh, pretty cool. I watched. Yeah, I saw a YouTube it. video that compared <laughs> F1 and Indy. Uh, yeah, laps. I'll try to find that and put it in the show. It's notes. it's very interesting. You definitely get a sense of oh, there are like overtaking opportunities in places that there would not be. Like the S's in F1 is like you're just getting through it. No one's trying to overtake doing that. But in Indy, it's actually, oh no, they can kind of, they're going not that crazy fast in comparison. So they can kind of like make it work. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun track. Uh, I think people, the drivers, I think like the atmosphere, they like aspects of the track. I think that S's section is very fun for them. Um, it's kind of, it's a average track in terms of, I guess it's got a lot of turns. It's a 20 turn track. But in terms of speed, it's just lower than the average. Um, but uh, and, and has sort of two main straights, but one of them is basically up like a 15-story building. It has an incredibly unique first turn. Let's actually go through some of them. Um, the, the first turn, iconic at this stage, I feel like. It is a massive uphill into a... Uh, right-handed or left-handed hairpin which the drivers can't see the apex of um there's a large amount of runoff at the top the crest of the hill which stops them all from getting crashing into each other as they try and uh, hit that apex but uh yeah that we've had lots of contact there uh, early in the race or started the race or somebody exiting the pit lane because they basically just like gobble up the inside of that line um uh, especially if somebody's uh, doing, you know, responding to an undercut or something like that. And um, then between laps two and seven, you basically have this S's section, which is really important for uh, setting good lap times. Not necessarily a place where many people are overtaking, uh, because once they get down into uh, turn eleven, which is kind of like a downhill, another little hairpin guy, left-hander, uh, kind of similar to turn one actually, but just kind of downhill instead of uphill and not quite as steep. And um, this leads into the main back straight the drs straight uh but a lot of people try and overtake on turn 11 yeah you can dive down the inside there's a decent amount of runoff on the outside so people can uh can escape if uh, if they're they're getting uh, gobbled up uh, but then some people tend not to because the overtaking opportunities on that straight are so uh, advantageous uh, at the end turn 12 at the end of that straight often also been a spot where people have overtaken there's a decent amount of runoff there and the next section is very technical and and is almost impossible to sort of overtake in this is the arena section between turns 13 and 16 Uh, very technical Uh, the drivers are kind of always like fighting the grip a little bit trying to get as much speed as they can uh through that section a lot of like double apex corners and and weirdness going on Uh, and then once they exit that into turn 17 and 18 they're flat out 
a bit of a break into turn 19, uh, but not as much as... The, 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 these two turns here, 19 and 20, the, the penultimate and ultimate turns, uh, are very sharp, but both of them have such wide entries and exits that they can actually... As long as people aren't fighting for position, they can actually take a decent amount of speed into them. And then you're back up onto the start-finish straight. Uh, it's a fun track. I think if you're not into F1 or you're new to it, it's one of the best to come to because it has very unique features. Like there are two or three places that you can sort of go, oh, that's that place and that's that place. Um, and also in the helicopter shots, you always get that weird shot of the, what are we calling that thing? Like the rooftop bar, the sort of... The, the viewing tower? The viewing tower, yeah. So you can kind of uh, orientate yourself around that quite easily. Um, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't go up, did you? No, I'm terrified of heights. No yeah, chance. That's what I thought. Yeah. You went up, didn't you? <laughs> I went up, yeah. I think I stayed at the bottom and just drank an extra pint or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. People always ask us, I think we sat between, like near turn 16. Yes. Because when you Could come you? down, the cars are coming down the straight and then they hit that 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. It looks like a, from the top, it looks like a number two scribbled in the ground. So yeah. if you're sitting at the base of that number two looking across, you can see a whole bunch of turns. Yeah, it was uh, fun. So that was we, a cool spot. I've also heard that general them. admission is a pretty good way to go here. Uh, if you don't want to, you know, spend a whole whole bunch of money on tickets, yeah. you can have a good time doing there's, GA. Yeah, lots of, there's like two or three solid spots that you can only go to if you're GA. So uh, also you get to do stuff like check out the start finish straight during the start of the race and then move. Like that. that's a cool kind of thing yeah uh, to be able to because i remember when we were on whatever we were between 16 and 17 we could hear it all happening and the, the, <laughs> right. the anticipation of them coming was immense i've never yeah. was, you can hear them screaming along and you can barely see them on the like on the s's you could we could kind of see them going up there and then by the time they came down it was just oh it was so loud it was awesome it really is it's kind of hard to like, it sounds like hyperbole to say that it's it's just different in person, but it is. Yeah. Like, the cars, they just, I don't know how to describe, they just feel so much more real, and uh, it's it's cool. I, I will say, though, that the the one time, what was it, back in 2012, it might have been, 2011, would there were, when it was the, before the sort of major hybrid ones came in, um, it was they were so they were like a decent amount louder but i didn't i only went during practice in abu dhabi so i only had like one or two cars going past at a time mm-hmm. so when you're at the race and you hear all of them together it was just like yeah it was a whole different thing you could feel it in your bones you know yeah i think so i went to canada after uh austin um, right. and i think the cars were louder uh right from when we went yeah uh c2 c3 and c4 those are the tires the hard medium and soft so the middle range of pirelli's five sets we've got uh, kind of all over the place for tire strategies uh hulkenberg's taken two hards one medium and 10 softs but hamilton's taken two hards three mediums and eight softs wow um yeah kind of kind of all over the place but most most softs medium amount of mediums and few hearts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, weather-wise, however, uh, the sessions are taking place on different times. Usually the race and qualifying, I think, take place at the same time of day. That's not mm. the case here. Um, so qualifying will be at 4 p.m. on Saturday at local time. Temperatures look to be uh, in the high teens Celsius or, wow, is that right? Low 60s Fahrenheit? That's chilly for Texas in October. Um, 50% humidity. 
but no chance of precipitation uh, wow, wow. on uh, qualifying day. Sunday, temps look maybe slightly higher um, for the race at 1 p.m. local time, uh, but similar uh, precipitation chance, which is to say very low. Um, let's see. Wind is often a factor here. Uh, six miles an hour or 10 kilometers an hour on race day looks to be a little higher actually for qualifying day, 19 kilometers an hour or 12 miles per hour. So, Mm. uh, and, uh, according to Google here, different directions. So good luck figuring that out teams. (laughs) Um, in our fantasy league, let's run down the winners in Mexico. Shall we, if you'd like to join us, by the way, you can follow the link in the show notes, uh, and, or use our, uh, invite code also in the show notes fifth place roscoe racing team followed by or in fourth place ls racing team uh third place is energy drink team name f1 team <laughs> solid uh number two strolling to the podium and then number one trippin major asterisk 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 racing nice uh but overall some familiar names here uh, joined by Jacked Up Racing. Ooh. I don't think we've seen Jacked Up uh, here very often in fifth place. St. Gervaisi Racing Team is fourth. Dragon Ball GT is third. Boah, to the future part three is in second. <laughs> uh, and then with a commanding 25-point lead, Rich Volt F1 Energy Team paintwork pending. Fantastic. Uh, I'm down in 855th place. <laughs> I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm top of my fantasy football one, though, so I'm happy about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, should we take it to some emails, Danny? Let's do it. Uh, ShiftF1Podcast.gmail.com or you can go to F1.cool slash emails. If you're a cool customer, uh, you want to take this first one? Sure. This one's from Tyler, uh, who says, first of all, love the podcast. I'm always anxious waiting for your post-race podcast to talk about what happened in the race. For this race, the main issue I had was the start. Vettel coming across the track to cover off, cover off Lewis Hamilton is not the type of F1 driving I want to see, and I wanted to see if you agreed with the ruling or not. I know a few weeks ago, I think it was Rob, commented on how F1 has turned into this, quote, someone needs to relent or both drivers ruin their race type of racing. And in my opinion, I think it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I understand why Vettel has had to do what he did, but I think Lewis is entitled to a car's width of room there. In addition to being dangerous, it sets a precedent for the forthcoming races that essentially allows drivers to force other drivers off track in defense of a position at the start. Uh, frankly, this isn't really a question, just a comment. Um, I love seeing Pierre Gasly thrive in the Toro Rosso. I get that F1 is a cold world, but it really sucked to see him getting beat up for underperforming in the Red Bull car. Yeah. Whether or not he keeps an F1 drive for next year, I've really enjoyed watching him uh, race in a car that suits him better or maybe a team uh, that's lower pressure anyway keep up the good work can't wait for the next podcast um mm. maybe just to quickly address that one first uh yeah i agree it's it's nice to see him kind of it feels like he fits this a, a lot better you know yeah um, for sure we saw it with out maybe a little bit as well that that red bull pressure is real and yeah he also seemed a lot more comfortable once he transitioned back um he is not confirmed, nor is Albon for either mm. of those seats. But my guess is that, I mean, either Albon will get Red Bull and Gasly will get Toro Rosso, or Gasly will get Red Bull and Albon will get Toro Rosso. I, I don't see them, like, keeping one and completely dropping the other. No, I think, I don't know who's out of contract with those. I guess both of them are probably on years, but 
in my head, Gasly would stay on Toro Rosso unless somebody scooped Albon. I, I see. He, okay. I think he's the stronger of the two, and I but I think Albon is a flight risk. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how much movement well there can be now at this stage, but uh, there'll be a lot the next year. There's a lot of the top drivers are going to be um, out of contract, so we might see a bit of a yeah sw- and the, switcheroo. Um, I actually I keep a running document here of um, F1 driver contracts whenever I see an article mention this so-and-so's contract expires at the end of whatever Uh, I write it down. So, um, Giovinazzi's contract expires this year. Albans, uh, expires. Gasly expires. Uh, Kvyat's expires, uh, and Kubica's expires, but you're right. Mm. 2020 here's whose contract expires uh, at the end of next year. Raikkonen, Vettel, Magnussen, Grosjean, um, Hamilton, Botas, Verstappen, Ricardo, uh, and it is assumed signs has at least until 2020. Mm. It, it only specified a multi-year contract in August uh, 2018. So, um, yeah, right? I think mm. Kubica, is, we know, is out at Williams. The current thinking is that uh, he might go to Haas in like a test role or something um and i my guess is uh nicholas latifi uh would yes. would come from formula two to to williams he actually drove in free practice one uh, in mexico so he sat really like good times showing. yeah and he's mm. uh he's he looks very good in formula two as well yeah um but the first part of your question tyler vettel uh pushing lewis hamilton off into the grass for 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 one um i want to quote vettel from autosport here uh, I didn't see him. He came after the race as well and asked, uh, but there was no intention to push him uh, or anything. Obviously, as soon as I saw, I got off and I tried to get in Charles' toe and I checked the mirrors on the right and the mirrors on the left and that's when I saw Lewis and then, you know, I tried to go right. But before that point, I didn't see him. We see quite well in the mirrors, but there's obviously still an angle that you can't see. Uh, I yeah. believe him when he says that. I don't think he was trying to push Hamilton into the grass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for what it's worth, there are rules uh, that state that you do that you must leave a car's width. You are not allowed. <laughs> uh, it's my understanding, at least, under the official rules, to force a driver off. So, if the stewards had thought that Vettel was doing that intentionally, he certainly, I think, would have gotten penalized. Yeah, I think the um, there's one or two other things. Just to add that the first lap they always say there's they're a little bit more fluid when it comes to the um the rules because there's lots of stuff going on or there's lots of the drivers have lots of have to have eyes kind of in the backs of their heads as it were um but also if you watch the replay of it you can see that the motion that Vettel is making it's they're they're both driving into the same spot it's not that one of them is in a spot and the other one is is trying to not kick them out of it like he's not forcing lewis out it's that the he's getting into the spot that lewis wants to get into faster than he is and he's also in his driving spot is in his blind spot on that left side so yeah i think it was just a yeah just a confluence of those things yeah well said uh you want to take this next one 
Sure. Uh, Andres says, uh, our roller coaster is ruined. Um, Sky keeps gushing about G-forces that F1 drivers have to endure. They probably get used to that over time, right? But if they do, do they still have fun at roller coasters or other gut-shaking <laughs> theme park rides? I, lo- I love this question because it's kind of like, it opens up a whole cat of, or like a, a whole line of questioning in my head. Like, do drivers get bored of regular driving? Or like, of life? <laughs> like coming back from the moon was Buzz Aldrin just like right. What do I do now? What's what's up? Like, yeah. But what, what do you think? Roller coasters. I the only footage I think we have of F one drivers on roller coasters is Felipe Massa and Fernando Alonso on the Ferrari World roller coaster where I think it was Massa lost his wallet. It flies out of his pocket and you see it exploding, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, I think there's one of Vettel uh, and Raikkonen too. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Wait, in I'll, Ferrari World? In Ferrari World. Oh, I'll see great. if I can so, find him. Well, I mean, it's coming up, right? It's like, uh, it's the race after Austin, I think. Oh, no, sorry. No, Interlagos. So we've got, it's, yeah, it's, it's about a month away at, at this stage. We're back in Yasparina. So, uh, I mean, hopefully. That's a really good question, though. I, I, if anyone has any answers they've seen of F1 <laughs> drivers speaking about roller coasters and whether or not they're still fun, I might ask, I might tweet Lando Norris and see if he can give me a, a straight response. There you response. go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that an F1 car doesn't give you are loops. Or really any elevation over the ground, unless, you know, you're Esteban Gutierrez and uh, Pastor Maldonado is <laughs> coming out of the pits. Oh my. Um, or, or you're Mark Webber. Yeah. Doing loops. Boy. I mean, he's, um, he's figured out how to do loops in pretty much every driving discipline he's ever been involved in. It's true. Uh, but uh, as far as them getting used to G-forces, I think when you put a normal in a car like this <laughs> yeah uh no. it's it's their necks that can't handle it yeah so these guys i mean you, we've probably seen drivers doing those like headband uh movements to Weights. strengthen their um yeah. yeah to strengthen their neck muscles because like not only are you you're pulling i think they said five and a half g's in the braking zone uh not only are you keeping trying to keep your head up that has now increased five times in weight but you've got a helmet on too so that's mm uh increasing the weight even more um i i would also uh link the video of fernando alonso cracking a walnut with his neck just what? to demonstrate how strong it is wow you don't remember? i thought you told me about no this. i don't think i've said maybe i don't know i yeah I, this sounds there's a like... video of fernando alonso not... cracking a walnut with his neck i don't even know like at what point? Okay, I'm watching it right now. He's he's got it between his neck and his shoulder, and mm-hmm. he does it. Yeah, that's it's on a Jalopnik video. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, I think I think there's an older video that he's referring. So he's doing a re- a repeat of it. That's amazing. What a weird party trick. <laughs> yeah, that only F1 drivers can do. Yeah. My lord. Uh, all right, should I take this one? Go for it. Julia asks, uh, hi, I'm new to F1 and definitely new to watching the practice sessions. Uh, wow, that's bold. Um, I don't think Straight I... In. Yeah, that's... Yeah, going going all in. Um, it seems like Sky Sports interviews Christian Horner a lot. Every practice session, qualifying, etc. But none of the other team principals. What's the deal with that? Um, first of all, they... I think they, they do jump around. Uh, Gunther Steiner gets interviewed sometimes... So, yeah, um, I think that, they try I, to mix it up. They've had uh, Cyril Abitable there. They've had Otmar Safnauer. Um, I they think... definitely interview. I feel like they have a special contract 
with Red Bull. Yeah, I think he does I seem to come up more they, often. When they did it first, I think they made reference to it. Or at least in my memory, I remember there being some sort of, like maybe three seasons ago where they said like, oh, we're going to be calling in with Christian during the race more or something like that. Yeah. But I guess in practice, they do swim around a bit. Have you noticed, though, that they don't go to Gunter as much anymore? Like, they used to call him up during the race quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's probably, I don't know, it feels like it's about half the races that they do this thing where they call the um, team principal during the race or during qualifying or whatever. They usually pick one, and that's their guy for the race weekend. Have they done Um, Ferrari since? I say guy, I don't think they've done Claire. Claire, no, and I don't think they've done uh, Arriva, well, anyone at Ferrari since Arriva. No, Arriva nor Bennett. I don't think they've done Toto either. Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably just say, no, we're, we're, we're good. Yeah. Um, I like it when they do it. And some of the, I remember they've, they've done, um, oh, Alfa Romeo guy. Why am I blanking on this? Team principal? Yeah. Um, Friends tossed. Yes. Uh, yeah, he is actually really funny. He's got like a really dry <laughs> sense of humor, but they don't they don't go to him very often. Right. Um, I think they probably go to Christian because maybe they have a deal in place, but he's also just really good uh, on on camera on mic. I guess. I think he like. I think he likes it too. Yeah, I probably. think he's into it, and it also keeps them a bit more. I, well, they're doing well now, but maybe it keeps them a bit in a conversation, which which they might necessarily be in as much uh, otherwise. There's been a couple of times that I've gone to him during the race where stuff has happened, where it's right. like they're in the process of an overtake or something like that. Um, yeah. I remember one, he was, uh, like he, they were talking to him and he was giving an answer and then something happened and like Christian commentated his way through it. Like he described what was happening. Yes. It's just so seamless. And the commentators were like, oh, nice job. You just take my job. God, I'd love for them to be able to get Claire on, but like, what would you do? Right. Like, wow. Yeah. How far behind are they now? Like, yeah, I, I mean, the, the other consideration here is that you want the person you're talking to, to be able to talk about something interesting. I think that that's right. probably why they don't go to Steiner very much yeah it's true yeah they might and, they might do it though for for next week because it's the american team that would kind of yeah. make thematic sense it, it in a way makes sense with red bull as well because they i mean they're definitely a top three team but you know they they're an exciting top tier team that also is usually in a some sort of interesting battle with the mid pack or the front you know what i mean mm-hmm. they, they kind of look up and down whereas like if you're calling up toto literally all they're going to talk about is which one of their drivers is in first and whether or not the Ferraris have a good car this weekend. And if it's not right. that, it's like, eh, whatever. I, I think I misspoke. I think Franz tosses Toro Rosso. Uh, apologies. But he's funny. I mean, we still don't know the Alpha one then. That's right. Um, too, too many Europeans. My my, You know the way your brain can only hold 100 people? This is like faces or whatever. <laughs> no, wait, that's not true. Like names. I'm the same way for like eccentric European names. I can only hold like 30. <laughs> Well, uh, you shouldn't watch MotoGP then. <laughs> no, I've had to stop horse racing as well. It's been a nightmare. <laughs> uh, the next question comes in from Brett. Uh, and I wanted to finish on this one uh, because of the sort of Anglo-American, uh, uh, I guess, cultural exchange it will occur during the Austin Grand Prix. Uh, he says, uh, hi, Danny, Drew and Rob. Sorry, Rob is currently carrying things across 
Actually, I better not say anything. Uh, I'll break an embargo. Love the show. Been listening since uh, late in the first season and that totally unrelated show, Alt F1. What is that? I've never heard of that. Um, maybe you had recorded before all this was published, but based on your talk about the penalties applied... Oh, sorry. Yes. Applied to uh leclerc it sounds like you might not be aware of all the stewards decisions are published on the faa website at fai.com slash documents sorry this is a different email to the one that i thought i was gonna read out um one of the two regard is like the f1 game history thing all over again uh one of the two regarding leclerc and ferrari penalties from the japanese grand prix gave me some additional context for that incident uh during lap two anticipating a call from the car the team told race director that they were calling the car into the pits at the end of lap two this of course is when uh, they had contacted leclerc parts of his car flying around and um, after then all uh, the bits, sorry, after all the bits fell off and Hamilton and hit Hamilton's car during lap two. Uh, after this second piece detached, the team felt the car was now in a safe condition. And despite previously telling the race director that the car would be called into the pits, they told car 16 to remain out and not pit. Then on lap three, the race director called the team and directed the car to be brought into the pits for inspection. I uh, thought you might find this uh, to be interesting reference for future races so that does clarify it a lot because the narrative that read when you were watching it live was that the indecision was coming because of the communication between the Claire and the engineer but i guess there was this whole other conversation that we couldn't see between the uh, pit wall and the race director which was actually the reason why they thought about pitting then they decided not to pit and then ultimately they they were forced to pit yeah i think uh i think you're right um this is a it's a good resource um yeah, I've I've checked into or I've landed on this website a number of times, but it's it's tough because it's all PDFs and it's not like <laughs> you don't I don't have a uh you know, I, I imagine that part of the F one media you would have like some kind of you you're on some email list, right? That you get updates and stuff. So it's it's hard to know what they have before you go there, and so you don't really know when you're supposed to check it out. But um you're right. If 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 I'm unclear about something or if you know anyone of us reading a news story preparing for the podcast is unclear. This would be a good place to go uh, to see if there's any more, um, any more stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Or if you really just want to dive into the, uh, the real technical, the other thing is that these are really hard to read a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, yeah. FAA.com slash documents. I'll put that in the link in the show notes too. Excellent. Uh, speaking of hard to read, I will now accurately read out this email from Tom in Windsor, uh, who talks about American racing overseas. Uh, Tom says, hello from the UK. I'd like to disagree with your comments last podcast about American racing being less popular overseas. Uh, it certainly feels like F1's fan base in North America is in uh, root health nowadays, but the same can also be said for this side of the pond. About six years ago, BT Sport uh, bought the rights to IndyCar. Within a span of a year, I was hooked, making Sundays very difficult to do anything else than watching two races. God, it's so fun to get two races. Uh, along with the old F1 drivers, names like Scott Dixon, Ryan hunter Ray, and Connor Daly have been uh, become names I've, uh, I'm only too familiar with. My favorite driver is ex-manor driver Alexander Rossi, who's uh, really grown. Yes, I wear my Alexander Rossi cap uh, <laughs> still to this day. Uh, sorry that was me not um, Tom saying that part uh, obviously uh, being a lifelong McLaren fan my IndyCar interest peaked with Alando's Indy 500 appearance and I'm overjoyed to know that McLaren will be there next year IndyCar rights have recently been bought to 
uh, by Sky to appear on the Sky F1 channel. Oh. I am loath to say it, but I'll be subscribing to Sky in order to get double hit as soon as I can. So interesting, inter- you know, context for folks who are in the UK watching IndyCar, which I'd kind of written off as maybe not, not that popular. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, it's nice to hear that. I have no way of knowing otherwise, but um, my, my question now then is commercials? Right. Live? Live? I guess right because it's afternoon, right? The the, the 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 sports in the UK that I always felt weren't popular ones had a lot of nighttime games. So you had baseball and hockey, um, and there was if, lot, lots of them. Uh, if Sky is hosting IndyCar races without commercials, how do I get a Sky? Oh yeah, account That's IndyCar without commercials would be wa- like watching NFL. Have you ever watched the Super Bowl on Sky? No, it's a oh, it's amazing. So. When I was in the UK, uh, if you were, and in Ireland as well, actually, because we had Sky there too, if you watch the Super Bowl, instead of like all the commercial breaks, you get like the commercial break at halftime, but all the other commercial breaks come back to a panel who talk about what just happened, like the play. Oh, you know what? I've, I watched um, a football game in Germany once. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was, yeah, similarly... So it's very awesome. similar. They, they like yeah. they come back, they talk about it, and then they go to like, um, uh, like Twitter, like but German Twitter. <laughs> oh, really? So German people who are watching the NFL, what das are Twitter. they saying about it? Yeah, yeah. Das Twitter is what they yeah. call it. Uh, <laughs> and I just remember every, um, every uh person that they highlight or like they show a picture of someone. You know, everyone. Uh, uh, a bunch of friends hanging out at somebody's house watching the game. Everyone is dressed in <laughs> like every a, jersey. Every jersey. There's no like <laughs> Germans aren't the fan of like uh, only the Packers or something. Yeah. So whenever there is a game, everyone is just their own uh, wearing their own jersey. Totally, dude. I've, I've I've gone to the international series games in London, and it's like going to Comic Con. There's people yeah. wearing like you know like Dan Marino jerseys. You know what I mean? Like they're wearing <laughs> right. like like every possible team, and also over every possible era um, right it's it's a lot of fun cool well that's it for emails uh, you can also hit us up on twitter at shift f1 podcast uh we also retweet uh, a lot of uh pressing news that sort of thing um personally i'm at drew scanlon that's at danny o'dwyer rob zachney is at rob zachney that's us around the internet do we want to take it around the world the Danny? let's race around the world bring it back to america yeah wow sultry uh, this weekend, November 2nd, November 3rd, we got uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series at the Texas Motor Speedway for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. <laughs> you said Ow! that. You said that the way they say it themselves in the commercial. O-O-O-O-Reilly. O'Reilly. Uh, MotoGP is in Sepang. Wow. Malaysia. Do you just pulled by jockstrap <laughs> the nhra is at the las vegas uh motor speedway for the dodge nationals and super gt is at twin ring motegi motegi love twin ring. i love a twin ring motegi. it's my favorite twin ring uh and that denny is the <gasps> tochiji prefecture oh and we got nascar oh my they're also at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth for the Triple A Texas 500. 
Is that on Saturday? That's Sunday. Oh, wow. Sunday, you, Sunday. You could you could make yourself a real driving day if you drove from Fort Worth down to Austin. Well, you really I, could. I've driven that. That's a that's a long drive. Uh, I realized after we recorded, or actually after I posted last week's episode, <laughs> that I had forgotten to tell what time the Mexican Grand Prix was on. So here I am. Um, not really making up for that because I'm not going to say what time the Mexican Grand Prix was on. I'm going to say what the United States Grand Prix times are. Uh, practice one starts November 1st at uh, noon time. Oh, I know, time. I know it's a different time. Daylight savings happens this weekend, doesn't it? Is that right? Are we falling back? I think it falls back on Saturday night. Okay. Uh, Well, it's noon. uh, Practice one on Friday at uh, on ESPNU. Practice two, same day at 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU. Practice Saturday, November 2nd at 2 p.m. ESPN News is hosting practice three and qualifying. Uh, Qualifying starts at... um, Wait... That's that's yeah. got to be wrong. That's not 5 a.m. It's 5 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. Um, and then the race, Austin Danny. Night race. <laughs> uh, the festivities kick off at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. Wow. Yeah. What's what's that? America's Network? What do we call that one? What's their America's slogan? Broadcast Network. Network. I think I might have messed up. I think I'm going to be on a plane when this race starts oh really yeah i'm going to san diego for just for the day i'm going out to a deftones concert yeah well i thought you were gonna say you're going down to see the new def jam rap star no i thought that would have been (laughs) cool if they were making one of those now i'm flying down there's a thing called it's dia de las muertes right on the first november which is Mm -hmm. friday so i'm going down they have a thing called dia de las deftones which they do a they they hire out Petco Park and invite a bunch of their favorite bands and then play themselves. And last year they did it for the first time when I lived on the East Coast and they're my favorite band. And I was like, we're moving back. This is my one, this is my like dad who wakes up every morning and minds the kid for three hours, like gift to myself. So that's there awesome. There's your there's your metal minute <laughs> of the podcast this week. So damn it, I think I'm flying back when the race is on. Ugh. Idiot. <laughs> Stupid deftones. Well, you'll have uh You'll have fun regardless, I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what's up. Uh, anything else, Danny? No, I can't, just enjoy the last of these races. Like, it's it's almost done. And the last ones, like, Mexico's a fun enough race, but I think, I think the next three are always interesting and fun in their own ways. I think Coda's a great track. It's a lot of fun. Interlagos is just a classic, timeless uh, and Abu Dhabi, while it hasn't given us a lot of fun final races, is always special in its own way as we sort of uh, we enjoy the sunset on another F1 season. So, yeah, if you can, watch them live. If you can't, watch them after the fact and just soak them in because uh, soon enough it'll be mid-December and we'll be pining for the new season. Indeed. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.